Numbers chapter 11, verse 18 through, well, I'm going to do 18, 19, 20. I'm going to skip around a little bit. 18 through 23, and then I'm going to do verses 31, 32, give you a contextual part of it. Uh, I have preached on this subject twice before. It's just something that has to be done on a regular basis. I have met people in counseling and in conversation that struggle with doubting God. They struggle with doubting God. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands in this room. When I was going to Bob Jones University, Bob Jones III had a, we had a preacher boys class there, probably about six, eight hundred preacher boys in it at the time. And he talked a whole, about 45 minutes on how he struggled for a number of years, a few years, on doubting God. He really struggled. Personally struggled. Now here he is, the son of, the grandson of Bob Jones Sr., which was world well, world-known, well-known man. And then Junior, Bob Jones Jr., which is a tremendous uh, Christian in his own right. Here he was, the grandson of this uh, famous man, evangelist, had over 250,000 decisions for Christ in his ministry. And here he is doubting God. And he knows it's wrong, and he's struggling with it, and he just he's wrestling with it. But that, now I sat in Preacher Boy's class hundreds of, I don't even know how many, but a few hundred times. And of all the ones that encouraged me in the faith, it was that particular one that I remember out of all those other ones. Many of them I don't remember at all. Now, that doesn't mean they didn't do any good. Because if I ask you to tell me the subject matter of the last hundred Sundays you've been to, how many are you going to be able to come up with? You say, preacher, I can't remember what you preached about at one o'clock. Shame on you. But I understand it. But how many of you can tell me, now you, hopefully you ate this week. You ate two to three meals a day, some of you four to five, but nevertheless. How many of you can, on a piece of paper, write down what your meals were? Probably can't write too many, three or four maybe. Maybe one outstanding meal. You had ribeye. Cooked just right, medium, you know, with baked potatoes all the way and some fresh green beans smothered in butter, cooked in lard. You know, if the be green beans aren't good, if they don't dry, they don't turn white on top, nevertheless. And, but just because you cannot remember the food you ate last week, does it mean it didn't do you any good? And, of course, everybody says, well, of course it did me good, preacher, because eating's good for you. Yeah, well, listening to sermons are good for you, too. And reading your Bible is good for you, too. And you won't be able to remember every one you ever read, but I can tell you one thing. It's spiritual food, and you benefited from it. But you won't be able to maybe in your mind go back and tell what it was. And some of you, and maybe all of you, have at one time or another doubted God, or you struggled with doubt. If you haven't, you may, you future will. Um. And maybe this will help you today, and I believe it can help you. Like in some degree, the way when Bob Jones, the third talk, can help me. Help me. Numbers chapter 11, verse 18. 
the wilderness wanderings there. He said, say to the people, sanctify yourselves again tomorrow, and you shall eat flesh, for ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it is well, for it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and ye shall eat flesh. That's amazing to me. This is wilderness wanderings. The children of Israel have been taken out of the... Uh, slavery, didn't own anything. In fact, their bodies were owned by other people. Their, all their possessions were owned by other people. They, they owned nothing. Everything was someone else's. They were at the beck and call of other people. And they said, it, for it was well with us in Egypt. I just want to go, what? What? You were a slave owned by someone else in Egypt. Kind of gives you an idea. They were a little confused. You shall not, God says, you shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month until it come out your nostrils and it be loathsome unto you. God says, I'm going to give you some meat. I'm going to give you quail to eat. Because you have despised the Lord which is among you, and you have wept before him, saying, why came we forth out of Egypt? How important is food to people? Well, I can tell you this. If a woman can cook good, it's big. It's big. And going down to verse 21, And Moses said, The people among whom I am are 600,000 footmen. And thou hast said, he's talking to God, and I will give, you, God, thou hast said, God, you've said, I will give them flesh that they may eat a whole month. What is Moses doing? He's doubting God. God knew what he said, and God knew to whom he said it. And God's pretty good at math. And he goes on and says, Shall the flocks? And the herds be slain for them to suffice them? Doubt. That's doubt. Or shall all the fish of the sea, that's exaggeration there, be gathered together for them to suffice them? That's doubt. The Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. And go to verse 31, 32. And God did it. And there went forth the wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea and let them fall by the camp as it were a day's journey on this side and as it were on a day's journey on the other side round about the camp. And as it were about two cubits, that's, eight, that's three feet high. They were three feet deep a day's journey on either side upon the face of the earth. And the people stood up all that day and all that night and all the next day and gathered the quails. For he that gathered least gathered ten homers, and they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. The story of Israel here is a sad commentary of our weakness and our weaknesses. They were the children of God taken out of Egypt. The context of the passage is these people have been delivered from the strongest superpower in the world. 
Ten of the greatest miracles that ever had been performed, possibly ever would be performed, were performed in their sight on the Egyptians and were used of God to convince Pharaoh and the Egyptians to let them go. But not just to let them go, to let all of their animals go with them, to let all of the jewelry or clothing and everything they could they had go with them. And more than that, God moved upon the Egyptians to give all their jewelry, and, and when a woman gives up her jewelry, you know something big just happened. Give the jewelry up to these Israelites. One of the reasons was the firstborn had just died, the firstborn of animals, firstborn of men, and, all, and there was not a house that somebody wasn't, hadn't died, all the way from Pharaoh's house to the lowest one. So they thought if these Israelites stay here, we're all going to die. That was kind of the idea they had by the time the ten plagues were done. We're all going to die. So go, go, and not only go, we want you to be blessed because we want the God that's just done this to us not to do any more to us, so we're going to give you all of our jewels as, a, as an offering to your God and all of our, all of our gold or silver and whatever. And the Bible says they plundered the Egyptians. But it was really God plundered the Egyptians and caused them to feel they ought to give up everything they had valuable to them because if they didn't, they were, everything had been destroyed in Egypt already. Their economy was destroyed their animals, many of them had been destroyed. Now all the firstborn of the people and animals were dead. It was over. Here, take the stuff and leave us. When they left, they had a cloud that led them, told them where to go. At night, it turned into a pillar of fire, which was God's nightlight. I believe in nightlights. God believed in them. I believe in them. I have nightlights throughout my house. I walk around my house, they turn on, turn on, turn on, and automatically turn off. It's beautiful. And the nightlights are good. And God had, God's nightlight was this pillar of fire by night, so they all had some light to work with. They came up to the Red Sea. Egypt was caused to come up behind them and with their entire military, going to take them back as slaves. God was doing that because he was going to show them his, his last mighty uh, judgment upon Egypt. And so he brought them to the Red Sea. They had no place to go. God says, go forward. And Moses put his rod out there, and a great wind came up that night and opened the Red Sea up, dried the land across that area, and the Bible says the water stood up on both sides. Now, Grady McMurtry thinks it froze the water on both sides. There were walls of ice, frozen, solid, on both sides. That's what Grady McMurtry believes. I know one thing, there were water, there were walls of water. I know that. Walls of water, there could have been ice on both sides. It's interesting, they made their way across. Now there's two and a half million people here. They made their way across that area. It took a little while. And the sun was coming up and it was getting warmer. And the Egyptians assayed, the Bible says, to go across there. But by that time it had already gotten pretty warm. They had gotten on the other side. The Egyptians went down in there. It makes sense to me. It could have been ice. Because as the sun got up, it melted it, the ice broke, the whole thing caved in on them, and they all died. Am I pretty close there? Well, what's it say in Exodus chapter 14, verse 30? And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. 
God had literally, not only had he given them the wealth of Egypt on the way out, he destroyed the Egyptian army on the way out. Now, people come to me and say oftentimes, if God would show himself to me, I'd believe. Let me ask you a simple biblical question this morning. Did God show himself to the Israelites? Could you show yourself any more than what he showed himself to the Israelites? Did they believe? You know the story, don't you? If you won't believe by faith, you won't believe by sight. Get that and take it home. If you don't believe, all the way to Luke chapter 24, if you won't believe what Moses and the prophets believed, you wouldn't believe in Luke chapter 15, you wouldn't believe though one was raised from the dead, you wouldn't believe. You say, well, if somebody was raised from the dead, if my... My, my, my gone, my dad was just gone if he came back or if my uncle came back or if my mom came back. Oh, I'd believe. No, you wouldn't. If you won't believe by faith, you won't believe by sight. That's a biblical teaching. I know you don't want to believe that. I know in your mind you're going to say, well, preacher, now if I saw that, I'd believe. Well, listen, two and a half million saw what I just mentioned to you. They felt it. They smelled it. They saw it. Every night they saw the cloud of fire. Every day they saw the the cloud that led them where they wanted to go. They crossed the dry land, the Red Sea. They saw the Egyptian army destroyed and they didn't believe. They doubted God. They doubted God. He fed them daily with a, a thing called manna. The word manna means, what is it? It was, uh, I know what it was. It was Krispy Kreme. If you read the description very carefully and look in the Hebrew, it says Krispy Kreme. I mean, you take them Krispy Kreme when they're hot off, they drop off of that thing and they put it, you take one of them, put it in around, it just disappears. It's like, poof. and the sugar rushes into your, throughout your whole body. Your diabetes goes crazy. They ate that manna. They ate that manna. And uh, by the way, he gave them manna to test them, the Bible says, in another place, to test them, to prove them. And he caused their shoes not to wear out. I had a woman come up to me one time, I'll never forget, I don't remember who, I think I do know who the woman was now. A woman came up to me, one of our sweet gospel Baptist members. And she said, that would be horrible, preacher. I mean, it's horrible that your shoes wouldn't wear out. She said, you got to wear the same shoes for 40 years? I'm thinking utilitarian. Tom and I are thinking, man, that'd be great, man. We'll never have to buy another pair of shoes. That's not the way the girls think. Man, is it true they buy shoes when they don't need it? Say amen. Oh, you. you guys are so afraid of your women. Is it true the ladies buy shoes when they don't need them? Say amen. You know it's true. Go look in the closet. So that's the setting of the verse I read. Then they wanted meat. We don't have any meat. Oh, we used to sit by the pots of Egypt and we would eat. Oh, we'd eat meat. And we'd have, we'd not only have meat, but we'd have uh, uh, Vidalia onions. That's in the Greek also, or the, the Hebrew. 
Vidalia onions and we'd have garlic and and we'd put that in and all we've got is this Krispy Kreme. I can't stand Krispy Kreme anymore. God gave him all that free care, all that free provision, all that free protection. I got to stop here and say, free stuff destroys people. Oh, 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 that's good. That is so good. How to run for office. Free is hurtful to you. We got to earn it. You got to work for it. You want to build appreciation, you have to do blood, sweat, and tears for stuff. You have to, it's in the struggle that you grow. Well, I mean, if it didn't teach anything, right there it is. Oh, we want meat. We want meat. Grade A ribeye. No, we want quail. What they did is they deeply insulted God. He provided for them all these other things, but they had to have some meat. I think we need to be careful that when God has provided you with so much, so much, you and I gripe about getting what God has seen fit to withhold from us. God may have seen fit to withhold some stuff from you. Oh, I never was very smart. Be appreciative for that. Or you may say, oh, I, I, never, I never could see real well. Thank God for that. I never could hear. Very, you know, I, I've lost my hearing in the last, you know, 10, 12, 15 years or so. My hearing's real minimal. And I can tell you, I'm enjoying every minute of it. I'm not accountable for anything anymore. Oh, he didn't hear it. They'll say something. and say, oh, he didn't hear it. And I go, all right, right, right. I got selective hearing, man. I can hear a pin drop in a windstorm sometimes. And then other times I can't hear you yelling at me, especially when you yell at me. I have no idea what you're saying. Well, just appreciate what God's held from you. He's held. Well, Brother Tom, Brother Tom, I love you, brother. I love to pick on you. I know you're, you're a Kansas boy, so you can't be hurt. Tom lost his hair when he's probably in his 30s. And instead of crying his whole life by not having hair, he shaves his head and goes around with no hat. Hey, man, look at that. Is C.W. here today? C.W., you out there? Don't shoot me, man. God bless you, man. You people without hair, don't cry about having hair. Thank God you don't have hair. Think of all the money you save getting a haircut. Think of all the time you save combing your two, three hairs. Crazy thing about the passage that I just read you is Moses doubted God. This gives me some comfort that he doubted God, and it gives me some sadness that he doubted God. The same thing gives me both comfort and sadness. Okay, Moses has seen the burning bush. He had, he had talked mouth to mouth with God, not in dreams, not in visions. And when I read this, I go, no, 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 not Moses. I'm comforted that Moses also struggled with God's ability to come through in power for him. I'm comforted by that. 
You know, Moses struggled. At least when I struggle, I don't feel alone on that. But I'm also saddened that Moses struggled with God's ability to come through for him in power. I'm encouraged that he struggled through him, struggled about it, and I'm saddened that he struggled. Like, oh, sure enough, if Moses struggled, I'm going to struggle. Amen. If Moses struggled, I'm going to struggle. And if Moses struggled, you're going to struggle about doubting God, not thinking he can do what he said he can do. There may be days you wake up and you go, I don't know, I don't know. We are not alone in the struggles to believe God is mighty to save. We're not alone. I think of Sarah as an example, the mother of Isaac, the wife of Abraham. She struggled with it. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 9, I pick it up and I say, They said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? Speaking to Abraham. And he said, Behold, she is in the tent. And he said, the angel said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Now that's about the nicest way you could possibly put that she was past menopause. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, "Ah, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? That's also a very nice way of saying Abraham was impotent. And so there was a, like a double negative. It wasn't going to happen. I'm past the time of childbearing. He's past his time of, of making babies. We're not going to have no babies. It's over. What was that, folks? Doubt. So Moses doubted God. And now Sarah which is really the mother of all who believe, like Abraham was the father of all who believe, really. They, she's doubting God here. Doubting. And the Lord said to Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, I Shall I surely bear a child when I'm old? And look at verse 14 of, of Genesis chapter 18. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not. She lied, for I was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. So on one hand, I'm saddened by Sarah's response, and on the other hand, I'm comforted. Same deal. Same reason I had with Moses. That great Sarah, the princess of Christian women, because it says in the New Testament and 1 Peter 3, 6, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughter she are, as long as she do well, are not afraid with any amazement. So he put Sarah up there as an example of all women. She doubted. Guess what? You may doubt too. It's not the end of the world. Are you with me? It's not the end of the world. Moses doubted God. Sarah doubted God. It's the end of the world to keep doubting God. That's what the end of the world's about. I mean, you, you don't want to keep doubting, but th- th- to have it run through 
your mind and to run through your, your, your reasoning capability, it doesn't seem all that strange. We need to get a grip on this. It is no shame to doubt God's ability sometimes. But it is a sin to keep doubting his ability after he shows himself strong in your life over and over again. He provided three feet of quail a day's journey on each side of the camp. And he gave Sarah a child after she was all dried up. He gave her a child at 90 years old. There is a God. And he can do anything. In Genesis 17, 17, it says, And Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? Because he was a hundred. And shall Sarah ninety years old bear? And all you can say is, Amen, Amen, it happened. Can God deliver you out of your troubles? No. Psalm 34, verse 6 through 10. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord campeth round about them that fear him, and he delivereth them. That is one of my favorite of all verses in the Bible. I quote that in prayer. I quote it at the bedside of dying people. I quote that when people get real bad news. I quote it to myself. I quote it to them because that's the truth. The angel of the Lord I feel like I'm all alone, preacher. You're not. Feelings are fickle. But faith is foundational. I don't see them. They're there. I don't see them. Remember at Dothan when all the troops gathered around, I believe it was Elisha, or was that Elijah? It was Elisha. Gathered around him and the servant said, oh, there were shot. We got everybody, look, everybody's around us. He said, Lord, open his eyes. And he said, there were, the, the hills were full of angels, flames of fire. He said, those who are with us are greater than those against us. Glory to God, hallelujah. All oh, America's shot. Our political system's corrupted. But there's still a God. He can do anything. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no one to them that fear him. Fearing God is just respecting who he is and what he is. If you fear God, you'll read the Bible. If you don't fear God, you won't. It's that, it's, it's that simple. That's one way of defining it. See, because if I really believe there is a God and he's able to do anything, and I believe he wrote this book, obviously, and his will for me is in this book, I'm going to read the book or I'm going to listen to the book or I'm going to have somebody do Braille or I'm going I'm to get it. I have to have what's in this book. Why? I fear God. I fear God. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Woo, let's have a spell. 
So I did a little, did a little analysis, quick analysis of this verse, uh, Psalm 34, 6 through 10. You see, first of all, that God's able to deliver you out of everything that comes your way. Right? He also counts it highly important that you fear him. Now, that don't mean fear like in a dread so much. It just means you respect who he is. You really believe he is the God that ever created everything. And consequently, your actions follow your, your belief. You read the book, you seek his face, you go to church, you hear preaching, you, you know, go witnessing, you tell people around you. About, you, know, you basically fear him and keep his commandments. And you trust him. Now, uh, we have a captain among us. I didn't know if you knew that. But Nick is Captain Nick. And when you talk to him, you should give him the respect of saying, Captain Nick. You wouldn't go to your doctor and say, hey, how you doing, old boy? You say, Dr. Uh, Bailey. Dr. Bailey. You don't go, hey, Bailey, how you doing, man? Man's gone to school that many years, studied that much, been in four different fellowships, got all these credentials. He's at the top of his game. You say, Dr. Bailey. And pay your bill, too. But nevertheless, you go, to, you go to Captain. Now, the Captain Nick, Captain Nick, his kids know him on the bus as Captain Nick. But also, Captain Nick has got his captain's license, which means he can pilot a, a, a boat. I'm probably using the wrong name here. Uh, uh, Brother Morris's son is becoming a cruise ship captain. That's big, right? A lot of tonnage. Cruise ship captain. Captain is big, right? You don't get to be a sailor in still water. You don't learn to be a captain of a cruise ship if everything goes well. You learn to be a captain and a good captain and a tested captain and a tried captain and a captain who will be able to bring the boat back home in the storms that come your way. Amen. What is God doing in your life? He's helping you grow. How are you going to grow? Got to have trouble. Got to have storms. Got to have bad news. And when you get bad news, where do you go? Where do you go when you get bad news? Go to God. Fear Him. Trust him. Look at the verse. Trust him. Seek him, verse 10. We see fear, trust, and seek. Understanding in verse 6 that he's able to deliver you out of all your trouble. I don't have much faith, Lord, but I got enough to believe that you can do it and there's nobody else can do it. I come with the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, but I come. I believe you can do it. I fear you. I trust you. I seek you. Even though I doubt you from time to time. Is that you this morning? You say, Brother, well, I don't know. You will. It will be you. If it hasn't been, there's three groups of people in this auditorium and, and on the internet where this goes. Those who 
are going into the storm, those who are in the storm, and those who have left the storm. Are you with me? Or if I may say between storms, because you just don't get one storm in life. You get storms, and sailors don't get one storm. They get storms. They get troubles. And uh, you're tested, and your metal is refined in the fire of testing and trouble. I want meat, I want meat. 600,000 footmen, men, 600,000. Now, I know anybody cooks in here knows, come on, 600,000 people is a lot of people to cook for. That's just the men. Were the women not going to eat? The children not going to eat? No, there's about two and a half million people there. You're going to feed everybody. I'd have to slaughter all the herds and we'd have to kill everything and all the fish of the sea wouldn't suffice enough to feed all of these people. Moses fell back into his human doubt, didn't he? He fell back into that doubt. Don't you, but you know what he did? He didn't stay there. That's the key. The sin is not doubting so much as staying in the doubt. I'm not going to stay there. I'm coming out of doubt saying, you know, there's God. And he will do it. And then what God will do is he'll show himself strong on your behalf. And remember when he does that put, that, put that down in your book and remember, God provided for me. And as you get to be my age, pretty soon you got boom, 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 of God providing, 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 doing miracle, 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 miracle. That's why old people are more stable than younger people. No offense to younger people, we all were. But God's growing you. He's testing you, amen? You can pass it. Fear Him, trust Him, seek Him. Father, help us in these few moments. May the Word of God do powerful, quick things that we know not. We believe you are who you said you are, and, and you, you were, you are, and are to come. And Father, we just pray that you'd help us, forgive us for the doubting part. Boy, we don't want to be doubters. We want to be believers. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Our first moment of belief is believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God who came, paid for our sins on the old rugged cross, died, and the third day was raised again, bodily, visibly raised from the dead has conquered hell and death and the devil and sin and now sits on the right hand of the throne of God making intercession for those who have trusted him. Now you're here today without Jesus. I encourage you, man. You need to look into Jesus, who he is. He offers you salvation that's free. Why is it free? Because it's too expensive for you to ever earn or deserve. You can never buy it. You can't do enough good works to get it. But you can receive it by simple childlike faith. Sarah just had to believe. She just believed there's a God. Moses believed there's a God. It's going to happen. God will show himself strong on your behalf. Oh, God, come now in Jesus' name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, 
Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.